thousand foot pounds is nothing to nothing to joke with. I mean, in most recommendations, most calibers have to meet that as a minimum to even be allowed to hunt with them. Mm-hmm. Listening to the Muzzleloaders Podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything black powder. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Muzzleloaders Podcast. Uh, I am thrilled to be joined with Colton again. Colton works on our customer service team, and uh, odds are, if you're talking to somebody on the phone, you're probably talking to Colton. So uh, <laughs> now you have a face to go with the uh, face to go with the voice if you guys have talked to him. So. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about load development. We were recently on the range doing load development with the uh, CV Accurate LRX, and um, we had two days. So we had the first day. The first day was our ladder test, and that was with uh, Emilio. And basically we started with 70 grains by weight, 77, 84, 91, 98, and 105, all of those weight measurements uh, with Pirate X Select. And so um, actually, before I get before I get too carried away in all this stuff, how are you doing today, Colton? In- <laughs> introduce yourself. Say something. I, I'm great today. It's a beautiful Wednesday morning. I'd much rather be up at the range, but <laughs> that's true. That's true. But we're podcasting, so it can't. It's not that bad. No, it's not, it's bad, not bad, bad at all. But <laughs> anytime I have a chance to get a gun in my hands, I will take that opportunity. Yes, totally. I totally agree, especially when uh, you know it's a muzzleloader. At least for mm-hmm. me. At least for me. Hey, 50 caliber. That's right. That's right. Doesn't get much better. Um. So yeah. So back to the. Back to the the test. And the I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to lay this out probably in a little bit more clear way for everyone so that I'm not just like laser focused on what I'm doing. So we had two days. We had day one. We did the ladder test. Day two was more fine tuning the load that we found that worked. So day one we did, uh, we, mi- we had a Pirate X Select. We went, measured it by weight and we had a Federal 29A primer. We had the Burris RT25 scope. Um, the 50 caliber version of the CVA Accurate LRX. And we had uh, day one, we shot the Thor hammers. Day two, we shot the Thor lightnings. Um, same grain weight and everything, just a little bit different design in the bullet. Uh, the hammers are custom fit and the lightnings are one size fits all. Uh, and Which honest- I would like to add, uh-huh. I, I was impressed with how easily they loaded into the CVA guns. Oh, totally. I think the, mm. that's the cool thing about the lightnings is they... Um, like once you, like to get them started is a little tough because the, the skirt is oversized, but as soon as you get them started, they load perfectly every time. And it's very, uh, very, uh, consistent fit. I had no issues one handed yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Loading seriously. Them. Yeah. They were awesome. They're a great bullet. Um, and so day one was a little bit of a, a fiasco because we uh, had a ton of weather issues. So it would go from sunny to cold and snowing and windy back to sunny, back to cold, snowing, windy. Um, and so, and yeah, I don't think it really got above, I don't think it got much above freezing the whole day. It was one of the coldest range days I've ever done consistently cold. Um, and so, but we were able to at least get the ladder test done. So we determined that 105 by weight is the, the best charge for this particular setup. And that's going to be different for every muzzleloader. And just to be clear, that's 105 by weight of Pirate X Select. If you're using Blackhorn, um, I believe, yeah, 84 by weight is yep. going to be your maximum That's charge. So, uh, but 105 by weight of Pirate X Select was the charge for this particular gun. And so settled on that. We decided to pack it in. We headed home. Um, and then we came back with Colton, and we did a little more fine-tuning with the 105 by weight charge. And um, 
we are able to determine some pretty interesting things. Uh, this, so, uh, Colton, you want to go through the standard deviation numbers real quick for all of those um, all those different charges first before we get too far? I'd be happy to. Our standard deviation was, well, pretty high, I yeah, thought. Yeah. Uh, we definitely noticed that a lot of the environmental factors played into it, specifically our seeding depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> that was a really important one. But to get started with our 77 grains by weight uh, measurement, we had a standard deviation of 67.6 followed by our 84 grain by weight test, which was a 57 standard deviation. That was a pretty good one. That was one of our better ones. Yeah. Uh, Our 91 uh, grains by weight uh, came out to 89.3. Our 98 grain by weight came to 130.8. And a lot of measurements on that one. That was was all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, all sorts of factors play into muzzle loading. Our 105 grains by weight, which did turn out, as you said, to be one of the better shooting charges for the 50 cal LRX, Mm -hmm. Uh, standard deviation came out to 79.9 on that one. Yeah, and I think that, that one, one key note there is we shot more shots with the 105 by weight than we did with any of the other ones. And mm. so um, you, we would have strings of several that were really, really close, and then you have some, like, random one. And so a 79.9, I think, is pretty good. Um, I'm pretty happy with that. 50 is usually the goal. Um, but I think that after discovering what we discovered, uh, with the seeding depth and, um, because in this particular instance, I have always known that keeping your seeding depth consistent, like your packing consistent is very important. Uh, but I didn't realize exactly how important it is because, uh, even just the smallest difference, um, is, is going to make a huge difference in your velocity from shot to shot. Uh, and so quite a bit. Yeah. I think, I think that that number could even be dropped down more because we figured that out more towards the end of the range day. And it was like, Oh man, well now it's pretty much over. So it was an eighth to a 16th of a measurement yeah. on the rod. It was pretty minor, but it was enough to move our velocities all over the place. Yeah. And I think the the reasoning for that is when it's more compact, it changes how the powder burns and how the, um, how basically your spark is not able to travel as easily from kernel to kernel. Mm. and ignite the powder and so it's not not that either way is is bad you just want to make sure that your packing is consistent from shot to shot because it's going to Mm. change how it works um and so you just want to make sure it's firm once you make sure you've you've got it to where it's uh you know it's seated you can mark your ramrod with tape or with uh, a sharpie i've even yeah i've used my leatherman to um scuff it to scuff it a little bit uh the tough the tough thing with that is if you're shooting a dirty powder like pyrodex select is it starts to cover that up with just mm. the grime um but yeah i think those standard deviation numbers i'm not like overly concerned about that because the grouping with the 105 once we got it figured out was pretty good yeah yeah i felt pretty consistent with the shooting those charges yeah yeah and i think that because we shot we had the our, our final group at 100 when we got when we got it zeroed with the 105 by weight was um it was like we had two that were right in almost in the, like in this just right next to each other uh at zero and then we had one that was kind of more off to the side by like an inch and so it was a really tight group um but uh it's you know just one of those things you always it seems like it seems like for me the third shot i get inside my own head and i can never like it's like <laughs> i have two right next to each other and it's like okay I've got to do this one right. I got to get it right there, and then like something happens, and it just kind of goes to the off to the side. But always oh, shoot better cold board. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, Colton, why don't you talk a little bit about our three hundred yard experience? Boy, well, shooting out to three hundred yards with the fifty cal LRX is completely doable. Mm-hmm. I will start off by saying that it does uh, take a lot of precision uh, going into that. 
And one of the biggest things we noticed was the environmental factors played much more of a role in uh, the accuracy that we noticed downrange at 300 yards. <clears throat> Even the slightest headwind of, say, I think we had a five mile an hour headwind, uh, if that, mm-hmm. that's being generous, was enough to move us about 14 inches yeah. around on the paper. We were still on our paper, uh, but you would be, you know, with a change of the breeze, you could be 14 inches off from your last shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <clears throat> while it is doable, uh, I definitely would creep in closer to an animal. Yeah. If I found something at 300 yards. Definitely, if possible, yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, what I've determined, and um, we'll we'll throw the... So I was able to get on the Hornady Ballistic Calculator, and it's not it's never perfect because the drag function is not exact to the uh, to the bullet that we're using. Uh, I use G1 drag function because that's the closest, uh, which it, it's not exact. So if you're going to be doing that, you can use ballistic calculators to help you get close but you're definitely going to want to make sure you're testing out those uh, that information before you take it out into the field because it's more than likely not going to be a hundred percent accurate but according to that about five miles per hour of wind one direction or the other uh, is roughly a mil of adjustment and so we were using an MRAD scope and uh, a mil out at that distance is is very significant i mean like colton said it's you know right right in the the vicinity of like a foot um and so basically if you're off by a couple even three miles per hour you could be off by you know six inches and so heart shot to a spine shot yeah seriously and so you want to make sure that uh you know your wind we actually uh picked up a wind a wind checker which that gives you one area of wind so you have um, I actually just learned this from Nate the other day, but you have three different areas that you need to measure your wind. So you have the wind at, at the muzzle, then you have wind at mid distance and wind at the target. And um, that is for long range shooting at 300 yards. The wind is probably going to be a little bit closer to consistent. You're probably going to have a generally the same wind where you're at, at you know, as same as it is 300 yards away, but still um, being able to be accurate with that, measurement's going to make all the world of difference. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Getting all of your environmental factors uh, in order before you can shoot would be ideal, but realistically, probably not going to happen. Yeah, seriously. And, and especially, you know, at 300, like with a center fire, you don't really have to worry about calculating that stuff until you get out to about 400 yards. um, And maybe a little bit at three, 300, if you're, if it's really, really windy, Hmm. but uh at 400 yards, you have more time. It's like, okay, I can really work this out and make sure I have the correct information. With a muzzleloader, if you're making those calculations at two and 300 yards, you're really close. And so you might not have all the time in the world to make those adjustments. Um, and so uh, this, this whole, the whole purpose of this is to develop a muzzleloader for a spring bear hunt. Mm. And I'm going to be using a call. Um, and so it's going to be hopefully a close encounter you know with the bear but you know you never know that i want to be make sure that i'm i'm consistent at that 300 yard distance so mm-hmm. are you gonna be on foot or are you gonna be in a tree stand i'll be on i'll be on foot and i think just making stands so i won't mm-hmm. be like in a tree stand but i'll set up the call for 40 minutes and and then go over here and set up the call i'll probably do a certain amount of glassing as well mm-hmm. but uh definitely gonna favor the call just because of the type of hunting if i had just a, a center fire like if i had my six five I probably would favor glassing a little bit more and I would glass and find one and make a, you know, spot and stock. Mm. Uh, but I think that with the limitations on the range, I think that the, the call is going to be more effective this year. Okay. 
But excellent. Well, being out there shooting that gun, I definitely think it will drop a bear quite easily. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, um, did I, did the, did the screenshots I send you? Did they have the uh, foot pounds of energy? I don't think they did. They do not. They do not. Okay. So the, basically, the I can't remember what the muzzle foot pounds of energy is, but the the 250 grain bullet is going to carry about a thousand foot pounds of energy all the way out to 300 yards. And so a thousand is usually like the what you want. That's like the cutoff mm-hmm. for um, bear and um, and deer. And so as long as you're making a thousand foot pounds of energy, you're good to go. But it's just mm-hmm. crazy to see like something moving relatively slow. Our average our average muzzle velocity was about two thousand two hundred feet feet per second. Yeah, yeah, it varied around, but that's still that's pretty slow for fifty. But a ton of potential energy still in that bullet. Seriously, yeah. And I think that um, for a muzzle loader, and I think it has to do with our elevation. Um, but for a muzzle loader, that's pretty fast. I mean, 2,200 mm. feet per second is like, it's cooking right along, especially for a 50 caliber. Um, but with it, now, when you look at like, if you have like a 50 BMG, that's going to be producing significantly different velocities. Right. <laughs> right. 22 seems slow in the, in yeah. the center fire world, but yeah. in the muzzle loading world, that is pretty quick. It's moving. Yeah. It's, it's scoot. It's scooting right along mm-hmm. as Merlin would say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had that. I think that that, uh, that velocity is going to carry out that that energy that far. It's just because you have such a huge bullet that's carrying so much weight with it. A thousand foot pounds is nothing to nothing to joke with. I mean, in most recommendations, most calibers have to meet that as a minimum to even be allowed to hunt with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's part of the reason two two three five five six isn't allowed. Yeah, uh, in a lot of areas, it loses that energy. Yeah, pretty quickly. Um, but it's just because it's a smaller bullet, you know, and it's mm-hmm. going faster, but it is smaller. And so it's not able to carry that same energy at that distance, the same inertia. Right. So, um, so let's, Colton, talk to me about the Anarchy Outdoors muzzle brake that we tested and, and also the funnel. So we had, we just, a mm-hmm. little context for everybody. We just recently brought on Anarchy Outdoors is, is one of our brands and um, they, I, we did some testing with it and I, I personally was really impressed. Likewise. Uh you know, I put a brake on everything, so having an opportunity to shoot with a muzzle brake was uh, very good, mm-hmm. and I was impressed. Uh, I've shot a Magnum charge before, and I don't particularly favor it. <laughs> <laughs> I shoot lesser of a charge. I tell everybody that on the phone. Yeah, uh, about a one ten to one twenty grains by weight, or excuse me, by, by volume. volume. By volume, yeah. mixed up. <laughs> it's important. By volume is about where I like to cap out. Uh, but we were doing Magnum charges all day long with that muzzle brake, mm-hmm. and I had no pain at all. Yeah, no. Nothing. It didn't yeah. bug me. Uh, so I was really, it was a blast to shoot, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was impressed. I haven't got to do a ton of testing on the CVA brake to really compare the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from what I could tell, gas dispersion was great. That was one of the big factors we noticed right yep. off the bat was the spiral shape of the brake threw uh, all of the smoke evenly out, you know, 360 degrees. Uh, and we could see right through it right away. Mm-hmm. Looking through the scope downrange at the target. Uh, and eventually getting comfortable enough not to blink shooting a 50 cal yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the brake on it, I could stay on target the entire time and watch the impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's crucial. And I think that um, the Anarchy Outdoors muzzle brakes is something I've heard a lot about over the last couple of years. And I was always a little skeptical because I was like, oh, you know, Omni. I'm not, in general, I'm not a huge fan of Omniport. Likewise. Um, but I was like, you know, they're, they're popular. I mean, everybody talks about the Anarchy Outdoors muzzle brake. And so I tested them and, 
Uh, very easy to install, mm-hmm. excellent smoke dispersion, and excellent recoil reduction. So there's not really much else you can ask out of a out of a muzzle brake. Right. I mean, that's exactly what you're looking for with it. Being that it's self-timed, I think that's a really nice feature with it mm-hmm. uh, because it did get a little gummy towards the end of the day. Yeah. It had a lot of powder residue in it. Uh, being that you don't have to deal with an Allen to time it, you can just thread it off, drop it in a part soaker, and yep. then when it's all clean, tighten it back on, and you're good to go. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> but uh yeah it, it also um i think that the uh it's titanium that's what that's what i'm trying to mm. remember it's been a long day i was <laughs> i was out at the range early this morning so I was, i'm a little a little vacant in one my of the mind. one of the best materials in gun work titanium titanium yeah titanium is uh it's extremely lightweight and durable and um so Magnetic. i mean really when you hold like when you're just holding the muzzle brake it just feels almost like nothing mm. and so yeah. that's a really nice thing is you know because what we we're talking about with nate the other day like ounces equal pounds and pounds equal pain yes so. <laughs> absolutely that's the that's the methodology behind carrying light yep so um that that was a huge factor um i think as far as just general recoil reduction um i think that uh, this i think that the cva brake does reduce recoil a little bit better mm-hmm. um just just that's just a pure shoulder test. I have, I don't have any of the data behind that just in my experience. Um, and so I think that if you're looking just for straight recoil reduction, the CVA brake does do it a little bit better, but I do think that the CVA brake is a little more difficult to install. It is pretty easy because you have just the Allen key, but more difficult to get more difficult to get. And is a little bit more, um, a little bit more bulky. And so there's, Mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's pros and cons to both of them. Mm -hmm. Um, but actually after, uh, testing with the anarchy break i am much I, I was pleasantly surprised that it was really really good so yeah you'll be pleased with any break you put on a gun yeah <laughs> it's yeah. gonna take away some of the recoil i would agree omni breaks by design even on some of my center fire guns don't reduce as much as like a, a three and six o'clock port mm-hmm. you mean not you mean nine and three o'clock right mm-hmm. or three and nine o'clock yeah your yeah. your left and right ports yeah oh, okay yeah 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 you're like mm-hmm. as a three and six i was like because because i guess they make three and six o'clock right mm-hmm. Depending, be, yeah, certain breaks will, will if you're a right-handed shooter or left-handed shooter, you can get certain setups. Oh, interesting, huh? Mm-hmm. Fascinating. I did, you learn something new every day. So, um, so the Anarchy Outdoors funnel, another mm. another key thing. So the funnel, I think, was uh, I don't want to spend forever here, but the funnel was excellent because you're able to. It doesn't bunch up at all. It just poured straight down, which saves you time. There was zero powder cling. That was one of the things we noticed as we would dump the powder down. I even tried to overflow the funnel by by speed dumping the entire tube into it. Zero residue and zero cling. There was no static. Uh, none of the granules hung onto it. It almost was like it was a slip and slide mm-hmm. for the powder. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was pretty cool. Um, and so let's see. We talked about the environmental factors. Uh, Pyrodex Select. Mm. Hunter and I talked about this a little bit on a recent podcast. But uh, Pyrodex Select, as compared to some of the other powders that you've shot? Um, definitely dirtier. Mm-hmm. Dirtier than some of the other powders I've shot. However, no trouble going off. We had zero hang fires. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, easy to pour out of the bottle, etc., just like any other powder. Velocity-wise, I, I, I read a lot of the data that we have on the website there, mm-hmm. and that powder has been tested years ago uh, and proven still to produce extremely high velocities for what it is. You do get that dirtier trade-off, uh, but if you're wanting something that's going to be extremely fast and you know velocity equals energy in your bullets, mm-hmm. I think Pyrodex Select is great. I recommend it highly to a lot of the folks I chat with on the phone. 
Yeah, and I think availability is the key thing there. Um, you can find it. And <laughs> I think that in my experience, the standard deviations are going to be a little bit higher with Pyrodex Select, but it's going to be pretty close. And um, you might find that you even match or in some cases exceed the velocity with Pyrodex Select that you would with Blackhorn 209. Right. Yep, we've seen that. So, yeah, I mean, very impressed with that powder. And I think that... Uh, Honestly, I have no concerns using that. You know, and I think that it's mm -hmm. going to be. It, and when you compare it to just like true black powder, like GoX or or Schutzen or Swiss or whatever, mm -hmm. um, it's not any dirtier than those powders. Um, and I believe that it is still less corrosive than those powders. So mm. uh, being a synthetic. Yep. Yeah. And so it, it's going to. Uh, don't take that and run with it. It is still going to. You, know, you still want to make sure you're cleaning your guns. Yes. Always. Just, always clean your guns. Yes. It is still going to be corrosive, but it is not like to the same level as as true black powder is. Right. I think I think we focus a lot on what's the best anymore. And mm -hmm. Blackhorn two hundred nine by far is very popular. It's very clean, very user friendly. But other powders still work. I mm -hmm. think that's a really important detail. Pyrodex Select, you know, uh, in particular, produces extremely high velocities, sometimes boasting faster speeds than Blackhorn two hundred nine. So it's still a great powder. Yeah. Sure, you have to swab a little more, but. If you're looking for something to hunt and your season's really important to you, this stuff works great. Totally. Yeah. And I think another thing that we, we did a review on, uh, I guess we didn't, we didn't do a review, but we tested the, uh, the, the new Thor solvent. Yes. And uh, tell, talk to me about that, Colton. I was impressed uh, for, for something that doesn't look like much. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like soapy water to me. Um, two, two swabs through that barrel. And that crud ring that we had been building up as rough as we could get it was gone. Yeah. The barrel looked brand new. And, I mean, that's some of the best solvent I've seen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's it's very, very good. And mm -hmm. um, so, and also, like, the uh, the part soakers, pre-soaked patches, all that kind of stuff is is coming from Thor. And that it's all it all uses that same solvent. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is definitely one of the best solvents I've ever used. Right. Uh, you it made just, note of that out at the range, and yeah, I just can't talk. I can't talk it up highly enough <laughs> <laughs> for what it is. Yes, it does a phenomenal job. Mm -hmm. I, I'm actually wanting to try it on some of my center fires. Yeah. See how it does. I'm sure it'll. I'm sure it'll do just fine. Mm -hmm. One of the things I noticed about it too is that it actually causes uh, the carbon. It's like I had uh, some carbon buildup on. Actually, so what happens is you'll get carbon buildup on the bottom of the scope, mm. and so that comes from just the ignition and everything, and some of the blowback and. Uh, so I had some on there and I just like took a, a patch and kind of wetted down the bottom of the scope, trying to clean some of that off. And after, you know, 10, 15 minutes, it, the carbon actually started to like crust over and like flake off. Oh, and I was like, I'd never seen that before. Those are just, it was so cool. And I was like, Oh man, could just, you blow it away? Yeah. I don't think you could quite blow it away. You had to kind of like peel it off, but it was, it was interesting how it just kind of like started to crust up and like peel off. And I thought at first I was like, Oh no, like is something coming off the scope? I was like, right. Oh, it's just the carbon. Just the carbon peeling off hmm. there. So, yeah, it's fascinating. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure what, what chemical compound does that, but its cleaning qualities were great. Yeah, I mean, totally. That's I'm going to recommend it highly now after testing it. Yeah, seriously. So um, I think, let's see here. I don't think there's much else to cover. I think the one last thing I wanted to cover is the environmentals. Mm -hmm. um, and just make sure we reiterate, reiterate that a little bit more because I wanted to state what we were able to determine with that specific load, and if you're shooting 45 and, uh, you know, or 40 or whatever caliber you're shooting, uh, check out a different different podcast because this one's going to be specifically for, like, this setup that we're using. 
Um, but if you want just general loaded load development advice, I'll link above our load development podcast. And uh, uh, Nate and I talked at length about that one. Uh, and so, um, but this one in particular, about five miles per hour equal to whole mill uh, of adjustment. And just like to summarize, five miles per hour equal to the whole adjustment, uh, a whole mill of adjustment at, at 300 yards, thereabouts. Um, you had about, we were finding that it was, closer to like it was like 4.4 mils of adjustment uh up but i actually after looking at the calculators and doing some more retrospective thinking i think that the 2.78 that we got afterward i think that is the more accurate adjustment at that distance Mm -hmm. so 2.78 mils of adjustment of elevation in general at 300 yards um average velocity of 2200 feet per second with the pyrodex select um, and so those are kind of just some of the, the general numbers that, that, uh, I wanted to point out to everybody so that you can kind of work from there. Um, your, your numbers are going to be different no matter what you're doing. Cause your elevation is going to be different, all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's what we were able to find at our place. So <clears throat> using a 250 grain Thor one size lightning bullet. Yes. Yes. Um, so Colton, ta- let's talk about your next range day. What muzzleloaders would you like to shoot on your next range day? Hmm. The how to pistol. The how to pistol. <laughs> how do you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, the under hammer. That's, that's Nate's joke. That's Nate's joke. I can't believe I said that. Mm. He's starting to rub off Shame. on me. <laughs> <laughs> As in general, I have a no puns allowed thing on the podcast that Nate violates all the time, <laughs> and so. But now, now I'm now I'm dad, doing. You can it. do yeah. those dad jokes. I know. I know. He can get away with it. <laughs> I would love to get hands on with the forty cal HTR. Yeah. Uh, every time we get them in, they go out just about as fast as we can get them. Yep. Uh, so if we could do some long range testing with that, I'd like to experience it with a muzzle brake, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing is a huge difference. That one, when you get to the super magnums, it's especially noticeable with the muzzle brake because, mm-hmm. um, what, in, what ends up happening is you have, uh, so much extra powder and you're creating so much more pressure and a lot more recoil. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's like, I thought, you know, you think a magnum charge and just like an Acura or, you know, a Vortec is, is, is difficult to manage, but like when you have, you know, a, a super Magnum charge in a Paramount, it is mm-hmm. like a whole nother level. And so the, the, um, muzzle brake becomes a lot more of a necessity because, um, with the muzzle brake, in my experience with the HTR, I was able to shoot pretty much all day and not even have like the, you know, like the jitters you get. Mm-hmm. And then I, at the very end, I took the muzzle brake off and shot, shot 10 shots. I think, mm. I think it was 10, maybe it was even five. But after just a couple of shots, it was like, oh, my goodness. Like, it was just rattling you. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so one of those would be great. Yeah. But we might have to push it out further than 300 yards. Yeah. Yeah. To get the, to get the full experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to get some steel targets and uh, go out in the woods somewhere and shoot that one. I yeah. think that would be fun. We could do it. We could try and push it to 1,000. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, it. I think it's possible. Oh, I think it's possible. Okay. I'll take your word for it. We'll see. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. <laughs> but getting in some of these these newer guns, I really want to get hands-on with uh, some of, like, the Pietas when they come in. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we're bringing on the Pietas, and those are those are really cool. I'm excited to get Already getting a lot of calls about them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Steel-framed revolvers. Yep. Highly recommend. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Cool. Um, well, is there anything else you wanted to chat about, Colton? I was really, yeah, actually. The, okay. the Thor bullet in particular, because 
doing all the sizing with Thor, there's a lot of legwork uh, in getting things sized up. And one of the things I notice in particular with CVA guns is they're generally really tight barreled. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Meaning if it's advertised as a 50 cal uh, and you were to mic it, it's usually right on the money or just a hair bigger, maybe by a thousands. And that's pretty common. Uh, those Thor one sizes can run a little big uh, in comparison. Mm-hmm. I think generally if you were to measure it, it's like a 5025 or upwards of a 503 mm-hmm. i thought it would be incredibly difficult to load into a cva gun yeah uh, knowing we were shooting the lightnings but it wasn't sure you had to do a little bit of a woggle to get it started but i had zero trouble with mm-hmm. just holding the the muzzle with my offhand and using the rod with my primary hand i didn't have to jump on it or anything like that and it it stayed consistent the entire day even if we fouled the barrel a little bit yeah so i mean shootability of those one sizes was great uh, they're not a one-size-fits-all. It's a one-size bullet, uh, which is an important detail that mm-hmm. I have to differentiate. Uh, and, you know, I'm impressed with Thor in general, but I see that those one-sizes have a... Uh, a very a very particular way about them. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm trying to find my words here. But yeah, yeah. <clears throat> If you're looking for something quick that's incredibly efficient because the Thors have great expansion, mm-hmm. uh, as well as they drop an animal right there. Most animals don't run when Seriously. they're hit by a Thor. Yeah, <laughs> I can attest to that mm-hmm. personally. <laughs> <laughs> Heard countless stories, had countless uh, photos sent in of Thor bullets being recovered and losing almost no grainage. If you're looking for something real quick that you want to hunt with, say, Colorado, it's a great option mm-hmm. uh, because there's not a lot of options. Or even California because it's a all-copper bullet. Yep, it's legal in 49 of the 50 states. Yeah. Because of stinking Idaho. <laughs> lead <laughs> bullets pure, only. Yep. Pure lead rule. <laughs> exactly. So it's a great option. Yeah. I was really impressed with it, and I would recommend it more often now than, than doing all the legwork and getting the custom size. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that uh, I've talked about Thor a lot on this podcast, on the on past podcasts, and I think that, uh, you know, Thor is just an incredible bullet. Mm-hmm. So, um, cool. Well, I appreciate you joining us today, Colton. Uh, if you guys have any, like, any questions or if you're looking for uh just more content on our day i will link above the um the video we did uh, like the like the actual load development video and uh you can click that link and then also make sure you like comment subscribe if you're watching on youtube uh leave leave questions you have in the comments and uh, if you're listening on the audio platforms make sure to leave a review because that's going to help get our content in the hands of the people that need it and uh yeah We'll see you on the next episode. Or if you have some real technical questions, just give me a call at 855-236-5000. Yeah. And you can talk to Colton specifically. So Get me on the phone. (laughs) Awesome. So we'll talk to you later. Bye.